The Lance Wall Now Show is coming at you live from the master himself, with a special broadcast taken from one of Lance's most recent appearances. Tune in and get ready for some major revelation. Why don't you go to uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. Something the Lord's been saying to me lately, which is, I was just with Dinesh D'Souza last time. How many of you know Dinesh? So Dinesh was speaking at a, at a dinner, and he was pointing out how, as a Christian, as a conservative, he says he is concerned for the future of our movement because the left, as the Marxist left, as an ideological movement, with religious zeal, has taken on the seven institutions, church, family, academia, which is education, government, media, entertainment, and business. It has taken these on with a religious zeal to disciple the world. And it has created its own moral structure, its own blasphemy laws. It is willing to litigate, it is willing to legislate, it is willing to dominate you in order to make you make the choices that it feels are righteous. This is a religious movement in its very nature. Most Christians don't look at it that way. They don't see it that way. Uh, the average secular person doesn't realize a religious secular fundamentalism has taken over the country like the Taliban. If you could see it that way, it would shake you out of your lethargy, apathy, or I don't want to get involved in politics and escapism. Then he says, the great challenge is that they look for weakness, and the weakness they found is this entire conservative Christian movement doesn't really know how to fight back. That it will go to pray, and it will go, and we are really, this is really a great weakness. You see, we never met Jesus, who is the composite lover, warrior, and statesman. I want to introduce you to the Jesus that really is, because you see, if you're not careful, you can create your own Jesus. There's enough Bible verses, enough preachers, and enough, enough you can select. It's kind of like television. You could watch whatever, you could think you're getting a diversity of perspectives by watching certain channels, and I can promise you, the channels are all funded by the same five corporations. You're getting one perspective on five channels. If you're not careful, you'll have your favorite five preachers all preaching to you one perspective, and you're still not hearing the full picture. To hear the full picture, you have to be willing to listen to what your enemy is saying, understand where they're, where they're coming from, why they think the way they do, and then you have to be thinking outside the box. So Dinesh says, for instance, uh, Obama and Eric Holder put him in jail and would have locked him up for life in maximum security because they sought to find a crime that they could make him guilty of to send him to life in prison. And they did a search of his emails, his database, his bank records. They seized them to find a crime. And he says, trust me, if the government wants to find a crime, they can find a crime with any one of you. And so the crime was that he had a friend of his who was running for office and he gave too much money to the campaign. Instead of like a 5,000 limit, he gave 20,000 to a friend of his who lost anyway, but he loved the guy and wanted, wanted, wanted to support him made a mistake in too much donation. So he said, well, give me the penalty, give other people. They said, oh no, we're actually gonna get you on wire fraud, bank fraud, and mail fraud because you sent it in a check, didn't you, in a mail. You used a postage stamp, that's mail fraud. So laws that were created to deal with ISIS and RICO and the mafia were applied legalistically to a conservative Christian who offended Obama.
and off he went. He was fortunately only put in, in uh, prison there for like eight months to a year. Imagine this, this educated man who was an advisor to the Reagan administration, scholar, they found the crime. And as he said, he said he had to drop into that place and he had to adjust his thinking right away. And instead of thinking of himself as a victim, he had to think of himself as an anthropologist going into a part of the world he never gets to visit and meeting people and understanding their stories and just making it as a journey with Jesus for eight months. He said this, he says, so long as it didn't break him, so long as it didn't destroy him, so long as it didn't crush him, he'd come out on top because they made the mistake of putting in a guy who makes a living by having a conservative commentary. So he would come out with even more sharp conservative commentary. He said, fortunate for him, that's how he makes a living. It wouldn't destroy him and put, he was a lawyer, he could never practice law. But as a doctor, he could never go back to medical. Because once you're in prison like that, it kills your record and you lose your credentials. You get it? That's how they destroy you. But a commentator, an author, he's ready for the next best-selling book. And indeed, they're paying a price because of him now. So he comes out, he puts his book out, exposing Obama and the administration, the future of America, and how they're destroying the country. Now, mind you, this is a conservative Christian. I want you to know that a lot of Christians don't track with Dinesh D'Souza. They may not be who they're reading, maybe a TBN or Charisma Magazine, but really we ought to broaden our horizons a little bit and learn a few things. So he, uh, he has his book, and suddenly he's noticing his book sales are taken out of Costco because the CEO at Costco is a friend of the Obama uh, you know, syndicate, and he wants to be invited to the parties with Eric Holder and the Democrats, so he pulls the product off. So one of the guys who's a business partner of um, Dinesh writes an article, and he writes the article at the 4th of July with some incendiary clickbait title like, Costco's CEO pulls off the shelf um, a Christian immigrant's book because he doesn't like him. <laughs> well, woo, that suddenly became an article that was read by a lot of Christian conservatives. And when they saw that, they did something. They mobilized and went over to the Costco website. Not many, but 14,000. 14,000 out of the 360 million people out there in America, 14,000 went over and every item on the website, they trashed the hair dryer, they trashed the bad mattresses, they trashed, they said it's a lousy, it's, it's smelly there, I don't, want to, I don't want to even eat at their restaurant, it's terrible service. They just, every item, they gave it low ratings, low ratings, low ratings. And, uh, then, and then they had pictures, they all said pictures of them that had, those that had the executive card, which means that they buy $10,000 worth of con all cutting their cards, saying, I'm fed up with Costco. I'm an executive with Costco ever. I'm done with you. Boom. Now, this was just done for a week. Suddenly, Dinesh gets a phone call from the CEO of Portland of Costco. You've got to get up here right away. I'm getting you two first-class tickets to get up here. So Dinesh and his publisher go flying up. And the CEO is saying, why are you attacking me? And he goes, I'm not attacking you. You took my book off and people don't like it. He goes, well, what do you want? I don't want anything. I just, I think you ought to think about whether or not it was a good idea for you to start to censor the opinions of people when you have a market out there that actually wants the product and actually likes Costco. And you've actually offended people that use your product. 
That's your, that's on you. You're probably the worst CEO they've ever had. <laughs> Who else could alienate 14,000 customers and sales? You could make money off the book. So he, he left. Well, two days later, he gets notification. The book is back. They bought 25,000 extra and they promised him he would have his own display for his next book. So every book he does has a Dinesh D'Souza display. It was a peace offering. Now my point to you, somebody was probably praying. Somebody was interceding. But the way God answered that prayer, they never would have approved of. Israel groans and moans and no, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. And then God sends Samson. Climbing out of bed with Delilah, going out with a club and killing Philistines and having raging and messing up the city and going back to bed. They're going, oh, that's such a bad witness. Why can't we have like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe Isaiah prophesy and have them all get slain in the spirit or something. Do you know the Bible says that you can renew your youth like the eagle. Joel says that I'll restore to you the years. We don't even think about these promises much, but listen, when you get to my age, and like I'm 67 years old, you wouldn't know to look at me, but I plan on running strong. And you know what? About two months ago, I started getting a text uh, a blitz of four friends of mine, my age group, who are all going in for emergency heart procedures. I said, hold it right there. Renewing our youth, longevity, strengthening our heart, finding out how to preemptively anticipate where physical infirmity would try to take us out. That's my priority. This year, I want you to join me. Go to lancewilla.com forward slash summit. I'm going to go to the beautiful Trump Doral in Florida, and I'm bringing experts with me. Dr. Jordan Rubin, I said, are there longevity secrets? He said, let me talk to you about collagen and intermittent fasting. I talked to Dr. Chancey Crandall. He said there is an extensive panel of tests that can be done that will preemptively anticipate where the enemy might want to take you out. And I looked at this list of geniuses we've got. Dr. Neil Goodman talks about the insights of reversing the brain fog, fatigue of long effects of COVID. And Christy Nickel, who's a young lady who is transforming bodies with fitness and weight loss. I can't go into all of it. We even have a miracle service. When they're done teaching, we're going to see God supernaturally restoring years. Go to lancewilla.com forward slash summit. I'm going there and I'm looking forward to seeing you because this year is going to be a strong year. Start the year off smart at the summit. Join Lance at the Health and Wellness Summit to discover secrets of longevity, strengthening your heart, and transforming your body. Go to lancewallnow.com forward slash summit to reserve your spot now. I'm telling you this for a reason. Christians pray and God sends someone like Donald Trump, a Philistine slayer from Babylon, New York. Christ is offended at his tweets. God answered the Dinesh D'Souza dilemma by sending 14,000 activists that behave like warriors because the only way you defeat the left is to meet them as warriors. Now, if you don't understand that, you don't understand human nature. Not all human nature responds to the goodness of God. Sometimes it requires, you know, it says something in Judah, it says, on some have compassion and others, and others save with fear. Oh, I'd much rather have a sermon about the goodness of God and the healing and how God reconciled my family and delivered me from insanity and now I have a job and my family's blessed. 
But it might be that, uh, that testimony about, I spent 30 minutes in hell. Oh my God, scared the hell out of me. Let me tell you what I saw down there. I'm answering the altar call on that one. Some people be saved because they don't want to go to hell and they heard the hell sermon. It's awful quiet in our globe company here. I'm all, you see, here's the thing. Lovers and warriors are both in the same tribe. We're the ones that separate from Jesus. We don't like warrior Jesus. We like lover Jesus. Well, you don't get that option. If you really love Jesus, you love the whole enchilada. And so uh, John the Baptist, the prophet, is prophesying. Have you found uh, Matthew yet? I gave you all that time. We'll have to pick up the pace. John the Baptist is at the Jordan River. He sees the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, the ambassador of heaven, God's front man for the loving Messiah, is about to tell them of the good news, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the overwhelming blessing of God coming to planet Earth. And he starts his sermon with this invitation. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This is hardly the way you talk to the clergy in your local community when you're trying to have an evangelism campaign. But he goes ahead and he goes on and says, the ax is already laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree, chapter 3, verse 10 of Matthew, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who's coming after me is mightier than me. His sandals are not worthy to lose, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork, that fork's going to toss things, shake things, fly things into the air. He's going he's to shake things up. And I'm telling you what, he's going to thoroughly clear his threshing floor. He's going to gather the genuine wheat into the barn, but he's going to take care of that chap, and it's going to be with unquenchable fire. This is the voice of God. Not some guy who's having a bad hair day. Not a deranged conservative podcaster. This is the prophet that God said to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus shows up, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I don't think I should baptize you. Yeah, let it be done. Let's fulfill all righteousness. Okay, boss. It's his cousin. Now he realized, oh my gosh, my cousin this whole time, this is the one that was hidden. Even John didn't even realize, my own cousin's the, the Messiah. You talk about a slap in the forehead thing. Whoa. Wow. Baptize him. Jesus takes off, tempted 40 days and nights with the devil in the wilderness. Spirit of God drives him into isolation. Well, sometimes I feel so alone. Well, maybe God sent you there. I feel like I'm alone under attack. Welcome to Jesus land. Jesus is all by himself, driven into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. But then what comes out of that is he's going to defeat the devil. And in 40 days, he's got power over Satan when he comes out of that wilderness. Now he's casted out demons, preaching. The work of God is going on, healing the sick. Demons are coming out. And John the Baptist is in prison. And he sees the potential of his execution, but he has inaugurated a messianic movement and the Messiah, the warrior, the one whose axe is in his hand, whose fire is about to fall, whose fork is about to get thrust into the harvest. He is on the scene. Maybe the messianic reign is going to happen and I won't die. Maybe he's going to interrupt Herod's plan 
Maybe my cousin, the Messiah, is going. Then he hears, amazing meetings going on, man. People from miles around, you should see it. They're having, this like a party on wheels. People are just laughing. There's joy. There's people getting healed. It's amazing. I got, I actually know somebody that was blind. They could see right out. It's crazy. This wasn't exactly the movement he was expecting. This, this wasn't at all what he had prophesied. Matter of fact, he predicted pretty clearly what he saw coming as a confrontational messianic military takeover of the nation. And what he's hearing sounds to him like, I don't know, a charismatic party with a Charles of Francis Center healing crusade. <laughs> so he gets in touch with his cousin. He's that confused that he's discouraged because he thinks maybe he might have missed it. Maybe he thought it was Jesus. Maybe his cousin isn't it. This is, this is, this is a prophetic conundrum. When God talks to you and what he's doing to answer your prophecy isn't what you thought he was going to do. I'm giving you the Bible, people. Go to Matthew 11. Because Denis D'Souza says the body of Christ doesn't understand warfare, that you've got to be both a warrior and a lover. If you're all lover and not warrior, the left will run over America. But half the church doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to vote, doesn't want to move because it can't find Jesus the warrior because they're looking for Jesus the party animal. We're in reverse confusion. We're heading towards Jesus, the end time warrior, and we're looking for the party. We're not much different than John the Baptist. I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 11. And when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he departed from there to, to teach and preach in their cities. And now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, we're in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one expected by us or should we be looking for someone else? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Have I misrepresented anything yet? I have not misrepresented anything. I'm just telling, I'm right on down the dinners. I'm telling you how the church world is. We're always, we get stuck in one idea and then God shows up. How many of you know God doesn't show up where you expect him? So here's poor John going, are you the one? And Jesus understands the problem. Here's the, here's the thing. I'd never heard anybody preach on this. Did John miss it? Did John miss it? No. He saw and time Jesus. He missed first appearing Jesus. He missed Lamb of God Jesus. He saw the Lion of Judah Jesus. Here's our mistake. We're fixated on the Lamb of God, Jesus, when the lion is showing up. You guys will get it before I'm done. Are you he? Jesus says, just report what you see and hear. The blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, lepers are cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached, and blessed is he who doesn't take offense at my present administration. Blessed is he who doesn't take offense at how I'm doing things right now. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of what I'm doing. That's my testimony. Look at the, so John, what am I doing? How could I be doing these things unless the supernatural was blessed, unless I was on, on message? These things are supernatural. If I was wrong, how could these things be? He's trying to say, 
the best argument for my ministry is the fruit that's coming out of it. Look at the fruit. It's supernatural, John. Well, John's discouraged because he saw something that isn't showing up. Now, what did he see? He sees end time Jesus. But what I'm trying to tell you is the whole church is infatuated with first century Jesus and we're missing last century Jesus. That's the same Jesus. So you go to uh, first, second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, the apostle Paul is trying to comfort the first century church. You don't got to bring your Bibles when I'm here. I'm a Bible teacher. Second Thessalonians chapter one, Paul is saying, you guys have been very much abused. You've been afflicted. You've been persecuted. I know that. But um, we're taking courage by your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Verse 4. This is the plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you'll be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. Connect your present suffering, not with a political system, not with your enemies, but with the kingdom of God. This is a persecution coming to you in America because of the kingdom, not because of your party or because of your personal affiliations. It's a spirit war. And whatever you suffer, you're suffering because of your identification with the kingdom, which will ultimately triumph. And then he goes on and gives them a rather strange source of consolation. He doesn't say, but the Lord loves them as much as he loves you, and the goodness of God will lead them to repentance just as he loves you. And I, You could preach that sermon, but that's not where this rabbi is going to go. Listen to how he comforts them. He says, uh, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you'll be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. In other words, this is proving the fidelity and authenticity of your faith, the fact that you're being targeted, picked on, and persecuted unjustly and bearing with it graciously shows that it's a kingdom battle, it's spiritual in nature, and that you're coming out approved as a kingdom person. For after all, it's only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. In other words, there's this consolation. There'll be those who will be saved and there'll be those who will be punished. And those that are afflicting you are going to be dealt with for what they're doing. And understand, this is a consolation to the first century persecuted Christian. God's going to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well. When, then he points himself eschatologically at the return of Jesus, which, by the way, could be happening very closely. We've got world economic systems collapsing. We've got drones with American technology trying to attack the oil refineries in the Kremlin. Idiots trying to provoke a third world war with Russia, who isn't even our enemy. China prepared to take us on. The American economy prepared to go down. The Middle East now coming into a caliphate of cohesion with, with Islam gradually taking over Europe. You're walking right into the end time scenario. Israel just celebrated, my dear brothers and sisters in, 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 uh, in Yeshua, celebrating their 75th anniversary, became a nation. And Jesus says in that generation, in that day, when, when the fig tree is restored, the, the, the Son of Man shall return. I'm expecting Jesus to come within the first hundred years of Israel walking on the earth. My dad lived in 99. I'm figuring Jesus is coming a lot sooner than you think. Yeah. 
So end time Jesus is where Paul's about to go now. John the Baptist described this Jesus. He says, but uh, when Jesus will be revealed, the Lord Jesus is going to be revealed from heaven. And here's the characteristics of Jesus coming from heaven. He's going to have his mighty angels in flaming fire. Oh, catch all the flaming fire now. Now you get where John the Baptist says he's coming with fire, winnowing fork is in his hand, with flames are going to quench. Here's that he's dealing, he's coming with angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Well, there's two groups here. There's the group that doesn't know God. They're going to be dealt with. And there's going to be the group that knows God but doesn't obey him. That's scary because that's more our group. And these are going to pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. Never forget one time I got pulled over by a policeman in South Lake, Texas, speeding. I said, officer, I'm innocent because I didn't know the speed limit. And the officer explained to me how the law actually works. He said, it's my job to enforce the laws, your job to know what it is. You see, the speed limit is your responsibility to know. And so you have to know this about the law. You don't get to heaven because you claim you didn't know that you did something wrong. The law judges you. Does that make sense? So you got, so you got this, uh, do not obey God. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, and to mar be marveled at among all those who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we also pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of for goodness for the work of faith with power. Now, he's talking about Jesus coming back and he's administering retribution with flames of fire. I don't really think a lot of us believe that this is the nature of Jesus, but this is Jesus. And I'm serious about this. I am totally serious. I know I'm with my family here. You guys are just as much. I, I know who you are. This is my tribe. It's all that of us. This is really our tribe because we're all Holy Ghost. We've been around since, since the revival movements of the past. I know my age group here is about the 60 year old plus. We've been here 40 years. I've been walking with Jesus. I've seen Every float in the charismatic parade has gone by my window. I've been in a bunch of them. And, uh, and what's happening now is that we have to get stronger in the love of God. So understand what I'm saying. This isn't, a lot of you, want, a lot of you might fall into the trap of thinking either or. It's like either love and forgiveness and mercy and walk in the spirit. And say, that's fine, but don't be more loving than Jesus is. I mean, you, you wouldn't have a judgment seat of Christ with your theology. Well, you know, we all make mistakes, Lance. No, that's, that's false doctrine. Jesus is going to have to deal with sin at the end of the age. So evidently, there's an aspect of God we should get familiar with, lest we create a Jesus in our own image and, and miss the actual Jesus we're saying we're in love with and want, we want him to reveal himself. There's a side to Jesus, which is coming as a judge over nations. Now, if you don't know this, you could potentially get into the great falling away category, which is, well, I don't understand what's going on. If God's this and if God's that, then how come this? Listen, man, that can hit you in your own personal life when something bad happens and the devil comes in, well, if God really loved you, why would that happen? How many of you ever had to have that battle? Well, you can get caught in a period of time where things look like they're going south. I, you have to know this other side of Jesus because this other side of Jesus will comfort you when it looks like your enemy's winning. 
Because you'll see that God is setting even up your enemies for retribution and judgment. If you don't have that, if you have, this is why I'm in a constant warfare without, not like Mario Murillo, he's more out of the box than me. But that's why a lot of prophets that are constantly setting people up for victory that isn't actually happening end up confusing people. You can't be claiming a midterm election tidal wave if it's not going to happen. And then you can't say it happened in the spirit when it didn't happen in the natural. Because you're starting to move people off in a weird prophetic flow. Does that make sense to you? So I, I have to navigate this real stream all the time because I have an ever-increasing audience responsibility to make sure that I'm getting it right. This end-time Jesus is coming back as a warrior for the bride. So we have to have two kinds of dispositions. One is the intimacy of the bride, but the other one is the strength and the courage of a warrior. And somehow we got to get these two alchemies together. They mix. They, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back riding upon a white horse with his robe dipped in blood. And he, what is he coming back with? The armies of heaven. That means that we have to see ourselves ultimately as in a battle with the forces of darkness and that we are in a conflict. And that conflict is played out with flesh and blood. We have to recognize people don't know what they're doing, but still we have to recognize that the doing is through people. You're still dealing with people. And there are people that fall into three categories. There are the wise people that, 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 are, uh, that are under the influence of God. There are the foolish people who don't know what they're doing. And then there are the evil people who actually know what they're doing, and they mean to do you vast harm. And you have to be knowing what strategy to use with each group of people. Does that make sense? When I have people to show up at my house, for instance, I have to have a different category of treatment for them than the people I run into at an event. At an event, they may come up to me and accost me or say something or whatever. I have a certain grace for that. But if they show up where my children or my family's concerned, I have to draw a line. It's different. And so you have to have a way of categorizing the end times so that you're so that you're not caught off guard by what the Spirit of God is doing. So far, you with me? So if you've got this down, then you realize we need to be baptized in the love of God, but we need to recognize that Jesus is coming as a judge over the nations. And nations are going to be shaking because end-time Jesus is actually overturning governments, principalities, and world systems. You can't be praying for stability when, you, when the Bible is prophesying instability. What you have to pray for is that you yourself are building on the rock. Make sense so far? Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world. You know, we're living in an age where Christians are nervous. Christians are waffling in their commitment. Preachers aren't really preaching a clear message. We don't know if we're raptured out or if we're supposed to go to the voting booth and take a stand. The truth of the matter is, all that confusion dissipates when you get a fresh revelation of Jesus. God wants to give the church a fresh discovery of who Jesus is because Jesus actually manifests himself in different ways in different periods of time. When he first came, John the Baptist was very confused. He had seen the Lord coming with a baptism of fire and he was going to burn up the chaff and he was going to shake things up and Jesus actually came as a sacrifice. Well, end time Jesus is coming back as the judge of nations and most Christians are looking for the lamb. He's coming as a lion. 
Now, if you get this revelation of who Jesus is right now, it doesn't dissipate the beauty of his merciful forgiveness or his love. It just adds this realization that he's coming with authority and he wants his church to straighten up its back and begin to realize that the soon coming king is coming as the judge of nations. The revelation of end time Jesus will put a mantle in your life that will embolden you with clarity and confidence. The thing that is missing most in the body of Christ, the fear of the Lord, and the boldness of the first century church is about to come to you with this powerful revelation. Go to LanceWallnow.com, uh, End Times Jesus. That's LanceWallnow.com forward slash End Times Jesus. And you're gonna hear this explosive, fresh, new revelation that just came to me recently this year that God wants the church to straighten up and strengthen itself because Jesus is coming with the armies of heaven and he's coming to do battle.